Today, I am joined uh, for the third time, probably, no, yes, the only guest who's been on three times now, um, Kevin Dolan, with his actual name. Uh, he has been on the show twice before as Extra Dead JCB uh, or, or Bennett's Phylactery, as you might know him on uh, on Twitter, uh, a legendary poster, now a legendary uh, businessman and uh, nonprofit founder. Um, and the organizer of the upcoming Natalism Conference, which will hit the stage in December 2023. Welcome, Kevin. Great to be here. I'm I'm glad you're back because you are now tackling many problems. Like uh, on on one hand, you are um, you're the founder of Exit Group, which is um, I have it here, a fraternal organization dedicated to ending our reliance on corporate employment so that we can't be threatened by a politicized HR department or an employer mandate. Um, this is something we've discussed on the show before, and I want to point people towards the second uh, appearance of yours on the show. Uh, but today you um, have added something to your portfolio, and it is the Natalism Conference. And maybe we can just, yeah, you can just give me a little bit of an overview of what, what you're trying to achieve with, uh, with the conference. Yeah, so I mean, it sort of was born out of an exploration of of what we were really about in in the exit group because we were sort of looking around and like realizing that none of us was was necessarily like we're, we're not like libertarian absolutists necessarily. We're not like you know uh, there shouldn't be any rules and 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 it, it was more about like we had a specific project, we had specific things that we wanted to accomplish that we needed to be politically and financially independent to pursue. And basically that was, uh, we want to have grandkids. We want, we want our, uh, children to be able to grow up, uh, healthy and with the resources they need and with the connectivity they need and, and to find other people who are trying to have kids and preserve our, our culture and, and the things that we care about. Um, and, and that's sort of a, uh, like, like a de minimis goal, uh, historically, that's sort of like what has to happen. If you, if you care about anything that your culture represents or anything that you do, uh, you, it has to iterate, it has to continue into the future. And, um, you know, the, the only other way to do that is to parasitize other people's kids. And, and so, um, it's, it's about, uh, so, so basically we're having these conversations about like, what are we really about? And we are like, that's, that's what it is. We want to, we want to all have grandkids. And, 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 uh, Tucker had that documentary, the end of men. And, um, and it was like William real wheelwright and tiger Lily and Ben Braddock and just a bunch of people who were like friends of mine on Twitter. And I thought, you know, there's probably an opportunity for a deeper conversation uh, on this subject. And, and, and you know, if, if Tucker's talking about it, Biology's talking about it, and Elon Musk is talking about it, then, you know, maybe this is something we could get a light shined on. And, and the, the biggest obstacle uh, was always going to be, you know, it, it, really, it really doesn't strike me as a political issue. But uh, we're sort of in the process of like looking for friends on, on every side of this, like people who like people who actually agree with us that like, it's a problem that all these populations are collapsing and like, there won't be a Korea 
in a hundred years. Like if, if that strikes you as a problem, then we want to, we want to hear from you. And so like, we've got, we've got, um, folks involved, like you had, you had Malcolm and Simone, uh, on your show recently. And like, I have all kinds of disagreements about like the, the approach and like sort of the philosophy underlying, like, uh, because they're, they're very much like, let's, let's rationally like, like assemble the, the social machinery. Like let's, let's build a religion, build a, a, a culture, um, from first principles. And, uh, I don't think that can be done, but I like that they care about this problem. And so I'm like, come on down. Like, let's, let's, let's talk about it. And so, so yeah, the the challenge right now basically is just, uh, to get, to get as many people from as many different perspectives on this issue as possible, because like, uh, you know, a, a lot of these conferences, they can be kind of a confab, kind of a like, well, we all know what the answer is. So we're just going to preach at each other and then we're going to put it on YouTube. And um, this is not that. This is, this is, we really don't know what the answer is. We don't know uh, how this thing is fixed. And like, it, I mean, you know, some of us are like squared away personally, but how do those personal solutions generalize? How do you, how do you turn those into um, something that, that, that another person could sort of walk in your shoes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the NATO conference. And it's definitely from the same, uh, desire from the same place as, as what we're doing at exit. It's just a little more narrowly focused. There's, um, there's definitely kind of, um, you know, this kind of, uh, minimum viable, almost religious framework. Cause you, there, there is something metaphysical in the idea of wanting to perpetuate yourself, even if it's just a bare bones metaphysics of not wanting to die out. But the fact that this is like a, a unique thing, the fact that we, you know, you need a conference and you need to, you know, remind the people of Korea that maybe it'd be good to, you know, exist in a in hundred years or, or so is yeah. uh is is yeah is a striking thing and yeah i think it's uh you know it's 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 a very uh, good place to to find friends where you can because it it it's it's shocking how how few of us there are in a way that you know still kind of harbor this stuff uh it's, I, it's I sort hope of there are more a weird it's sort of viewed as a weird religion and 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 to me i it's like how could you like that seems like such a basic psychological concept like oh yeah life is better than non-existence <laughs> and and like my, and and the people who are close to me and the and the thing that i grew up around is good and i don't want it to die like that doesn't strike me as like a fringe perspective that strikes me as like that should be the default human perspective but it like somehow isn't i, I don't know yeah yeah, I think, you know, it's it feels to me like it's tied to uh, the fact that in like the last hundred years, at least, we've moved from any sort of perspective and concept of a collective existence of a, of a you know, of anything outside of the individual. And if you if you only focus on the individual, if that's your only level of abstraction with regards to how you treat society, then you know, the future does not exist. The, you know, the, the past only existed as far as it uh, affects the individual. Um, it's all based on, okay, how, how does this impact my, my freedom, my choice? Um, 
And I mean, if you if you were to be super rationalistic and if you were to pull out your napkin and, and make a pros and cons calculations of, of how much utility you derive from from having children, you know, it's, it's it probably is negative utility if you if you think about you know things that are quantifiable like like money and you know sleep and all sorts of things that uh, that that people tend to value or they think they value at least in the short term because they really can't model what it would be like to have children. So um, I think that's at least in in my perspective and how I, I see people relating to this. You know, it, it just feels like an unnecessary burden for the individual, and because there's no other uh, acceptable framework to, to look at life outside of the individual, there is no one actually uh, accounting for this. There's no, there's no, yeah. you know, there's no one keeping a tally of, you know, are we, are we still doing this guys? So yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, and so the conversation, and I mean, I find myself slipping into this, like I, I, because I want to get people's attention who are not already bought in, I do find myself talking about like the economic consequences, like like you're going to be in a rat hole nursing home, and 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 no one will be able to afford to feed you. <laughs> like like that's that's the you know the the in terms of the hedonic calculus, it's a well, it's it's a it's a game theoretic thing. Like as long as everybody else is having kids, the hedonic calculus around you individually having kids maybe doesn't add up. But if nobody has any kids, then everybody dies in a rat hole nursing home and no one's able to feed them. Like that's, uh, so, so like, and I don't, I like it, it, it seems to me that the kind of person who needs to be sold that way, I I'm, I'm sort of like, come on, like, like you, you, you should understand this at a higher level than that, but like that's the minimum. Like if you can't get that, then I can't help you at all. Like it's it's uh it's a huge, huge problem. And 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 people, you know, they 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 get uh well they, they get really uh concerned about about politics. And I just, I think, I think a lot of these, a lot of these constructs, the, the, the party system, the immigration system, like a lot of these things are just not going to matter if nobody has any kids. Um, and and I, so I see this as like the bedrock. Uh, and and what, one of the things that that means is it's a great place to like start a conversation. Like, well, we can't agree on like our like religious values. We can't agree on you know, uh, what we think America is or what it means to be free. We have all these abstract disagreements. Can we agree that we should still exist? Can we agree that, that like something should continue of this thing that we've built? And I, I see that as, as, as the smallest degree of agreement that you could possibly have. And that's where you have to start. And so, uh, day one of the conference is going to be, um, you know your 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 speakers and panels and reception and 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 the, the typical things that you would associate with a conference but that's going to be focused on like let's let's draw the contours of the problem like let's let's say you know what are we actually looking at what's going to happen could anything be done about it uh should we care about it and that's all public facing that's going to be streamed we're going to be you know um uh 
that's going to be available to, to lots of people. But fact is, one of the reasons that we don't talk about this issue, like, like, and Malcolm and Simone brought this up, like they go to Japan and, and the, or the, I can't remember if they were talking about the Japanese or the Koreans, but it was Koreans, like, yeah. the Koreans, yeah. They were like, oh yeah, we all know that this is coming, um, but we just don't, we just don't talk about it. Uh, we just, we just all agreed that we're just not going to bake this into any of our calculus. Um, and not to, not to go too far afield, but uh, when I worked in defense, I, I, I was at a, a strategy group and I would hear, I, I would, I would be waiting for somebody to say the N word, meaning nuclear. Um, and, and nobody, it was completely off limits. Nobody ever talked about nuclear weapons and we'd be talking about, you know, you know, bombarding, uh, you know, ships in the Taiwan Strait and like, and like, like really F-35s going in under the radar and like, like, and, and there's just like, we'll just assume no nukes because if we assume nukes, then all bets are off and civilization's destroyed. And so we can't, because we can't like do our strategic planning job, we're going to pretend that's not an issue. And I think natalism is the same thing. It's the same, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's another N word, uh, that they won't talk about. And, um, it, it because it blows up every it, it blows up all the other stuff they're trying to do and they have no clue how to address it. So, day one, let's say this is something you need to address, like bottom line. Day two, we're gonna say closed door. You're, we've got uh, there's actually a vendor that like will, will like give you a pouch to put your phone in, like a like a Faraday cage for your phone, and so you'll be carrying your phone around, but it'll be unavailable to you. And, um, and we're going to be sitting in groups of eight to 10 and we've got a guy who does Stanford D school, like product design, um, workshops for a living and he's great. And and he's, he's one of my partners and he's going to be putting together these conversations. Some of them are going to be like, if you want, if you want to actually like come out of this conference with a, with a prototype, something to, to, to start and you're looking for like partners, uh, we're going to have workshops like that. And we're also going to have broader, looser, like kind of general discussion groups for those who are not, you know, trying to, trying to go that hard. But the goal is to like provide an opportunity where the broadest set of people with the most possible perspectives can be like maximally adult about this question and, and, and really, really think through what it would take to fix it. And that can be, and when I say fix it, that could mean somebody has like, hey, here's how we're going to reverse this problem altogether. I'm skeptical that that's possible at this point, but, but I'm open to it. Um, other possible solutions are how do we get us and our families squared away? What kind of investments could we make? Like if you're, if you're, uh, if you're in Japan and Korea and nobody else is baking into their uh, their financial estimates that this problem, well, there's, there's an opportunity to make a bag, right? Like there's, there's, there's a huge arbitrage opportunity. And, uh, and that's, so that's the kind of thing that we're going to be exploring. Like, like, can we fix it or can we, can we insulate ourselves against it? Or can we actually, uh, invest for it, hedge against it so that our, our kids will be better squared away. So that's, uh, that's, that's sort of the structure of the conference. 
Yeah, so it will include things that are, you know, as as top top line as possible, as as uh, as broad as possible, and yeah, I mean, it does seem to me like that's kind of the the the, the structure of a lot of uh, projects, kind of that are that are blooming on the right. Some are are, are conflictual, like you know, there are the people who are only dealing with, you know, Red Caesar type uh, ideas. And uh, on the other end, there are people who are only dealing with homesteading and they mm-hmm. hate each other, obviously, because you you shouldn't have both because it's it's absurd to have both. And right. one, is, one is stupid uh, and the other isn't. Uh, but yeah, I think this is, you know, this is productive because, yeah, I mean, you know, there are levers to be pulled at at the individual level. I mean, this is kind of what, what I'm trying to do, and uh, I know people around me are trying to do as much as possible. But yeah, the the um, the the large scale has its own problems, and I wonder what um, what kind of what technology, uh, how technology plays a part in this. I mean, is there is there going to be something specific about technology or is it kind of still very, very broad? Because I, I know Simone and, and and Malcolm are very into fertility tech and, and mm-hmm. all of this. This is kind of their their angle on this. And uh, is, is there kind of a carve out for this at the conference or, you know, if, if this flower blooms, you'll let it bloom, but it's not specifically addressed. I mean, we're definitely looking at the biomedical side of this. And, and uh, I would... My personal preference would be, um, I, I, I talked a couple of weeks ago about, um, about bees and like how if, you're, if your bee colony was starting to die, you wouldn't like try to reverse engineer like mechanical bees. You'd try to look at, you try to keep the organic system, figure out what's, what's going wrong with the organic system and what's threatening that organic system rather than try to replace it. And, um, I think my preference on the biomedical side is like, let's look at, are there, are there cultural reasons for this and, or, uh, like neuroendocrine reasons for this? Like, I mean, everybody knows that we're eating plastic and, 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 uh, having uh, hormone disruption. And could you, could you fix most of that with, um, with changes in, in lifestyle and culture and, and potentially regulation, um, on the side of like, but like if, if, if somebody has a novel, novel technological solution, that's kind of accelerationist and, you know, uh, they're, they're welcome. They're invited. Like it's, it's, uh, I'm not, um, I think all of these ideas need to have a hearing, you know what I mean? Not, not necessarily that they need to be uh, and that's why day two is like we're not streaming that stuff. We're not uh, we're not publicizing one solution. We're not saying this is what we have to do. It's like let's all get together, smart people, and let's have it out. And and I mean, I I, I want everybody to have a good time, but there's gonna it's by nature it's gonna be adversarial uh, on on some level because we're gonna have uh, uh, disagreements on sort of the telos of all this, and also and also how to get it done. Um, and I think some of those arguments need to happen. And if they happen in a personal, uh, private, you know, you're not getting you're not getting quote tweeted on Twitter. It's mm-hmm. just like the temperature goes way down, and it's just way easier to uh, to have a, a good conversation about it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the answer is yes. They're 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 invited and they're welcome, and and we'll see what happens. 
So, so day two is when you're going to be talking about openly about the breeding camps that you're, you're obviously <laughs> planning uh, and the re of women, I, I hear. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah so like... Why uh, else would you be hiding the footage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's probably the biggest, um, the biggest hurdle. Uh, the, the biggest like tightrope to walk is if you make if you make it a room where um, one set of people is maximally comfortable, uh, you're gonna make a lot of people really uncomfortable, and they're not gonna show. And um, my perspective on that is that this you can you can you can dream about like uh just just sort of reimposing by fiat you know some some older version of of the relationship between men and women which by the way i don't think is real i i don't think men and women ever interacted under those conditions um i look at i look at the stories of you know zeus and hera and hephaestus and aphrodite and 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 uh, various various spouses of of like the norse gods and all these stories and it's like there's there's this constant back and forth and this constant negotiation and and, and people are you have to uh, and this is maybe a i don't know how how off off the rails i'm getting here but like uh you can't go to bed every night next to a subdued enemy or you or you shouldn't want to like it's not a good way to live it's not a happy way to live it's not productive Everything works out so much better if you've got buy-in and you've got people who are really, really rowing in the same direction. And uh, so I think both in terms of like my personal sense of what's right and also what works um, and also our present situation, condition, like you just don't, you just don't have the muscle right now to like make women do what you want. Even if you could, even if it was, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah, you don't have the so, grip strength. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, so there has to be, there has to be women at the table and they have to be telling you what they want and what they're looking for and whatever you figure out, they have to be bought in. And I, I and I do think, um, I do think that one of now, now, now to, to, to be completely transparent about that, like, um, I have kind of a patriarchal family, like, like my relationship to my wife is, is kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of taking the lead of things. And, uh, I think in general, that arrangement works pretty good. I think that's probably why that arrangement has existed historically. I don't think it was as dramatic and as coercive as either feminists or like sort of the, the rad trad guys think it was ever. Um, it's always been a negotiation, but I think, but I think leadership, that's always been, um, that's always been part of the equation. So, uh, I guess what I would say is like, there's a, there's a difference between, between leadership and tyranny. There's a difference between, like, there are hierarchies that are not, that are not resentful, that are not contemptuous, that are not adversarial. You can have a hierarchy without all that. Um, yeah. and, and so anyway, yeah, that, that's, 
your question was about breeding camps and I, no, I, I hope I answered no. it. <laughs> I think, no, I think, I think you have. And I think this is, you know, the, the right answer. It's pretty much my answer as well. And it is interesting to me, um, you know, kind of how I'm, I'm, I would say I'm kind of in a more traditional relationship myself, but you know, we, we both work, we both kind of have the same. So, so the, the, the pressures are, you know, I'm not just like a housewife. I have my own stuff. Unfortunately, unfortunately sometimes not because I love doing the podcast, but I, I have other, other business things I need to attend to. Um, and it takes up some of my time and, you know, money flows similarly. And it is interesting because, you know, we're not egalitarian. I mean, there's definitely a, like a polarity in, in my relationship, but if we go, for example, on a camping trip, my husband's really like proficient in survival things. Like he knows how to make fire out of whatever, find shelter, eat foods, different things in the, in the forest. It immediately defaults to the fact that he is now telling exa- me exactly what to do. And I wouldn't even think about, you know, questioning his authority on that. And that kind of reflects to me the fact that, you know, the relationship in the past was based on, a certain competence in the face of adversity that it would, it just wasn't, I, as a woman could not have that competence because it involved, you know, brawn and courage, you know, facing wild animals and all sorts of things that, you know, ex- the fact that, you know, my husband's better at being exposed to the elements and, and, and sorting out a lot of things like that. Um, yeah, it just, it just wasn't negotiable. And it's really interesting to me how easily I fall into that mode where it's like, you know, we're, we're like, semi-egalitarian in the day-to-day because that's kind of what we need to be. And then the Mm -hmm. second I know that he's ultra-competent at whatever, it is absolutely natural to me to, you know, to shut up and do whatever he tells me to do. And yeah, I think that's, it's just something that's, you know, like you, like you said, it's just not the, it's just not the state of nature now. It's just not how things play out in the day-to-day. And I mean, I don't like, there's also this angle of like, um, if if my wife like had to bring everything to me for like approval and like sign off, it'd be exhausting. And and like there's so many elements of what needs to get done that uh, she cares about that I just don't care about. <laughs> and and so it's like that. Th- then there's that level where I'm sort of taking the back seat because I'm like, yeah, sure, let's let's do it that. Like like you know. Uh, how are we going to prepare for like, so for us, if it's, we're having an outing, like, uh, she's got, she's got the snacks and she's got the activities and she's got the itinerary and all that stuff. And, uh, and I, I, I have to outsource all that. Even, even in my like professional life, when that kind of stuff needs to be done, I outsource that too. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I think you have to be, you have to be complimentary and you have to be, you have to be aligned yeah, on values and doing different things in terms of the execution. Yeah, I think you, you highlight something really interesting here that I think gets a lot of people into trouble in a, a lot of modern relationships. It's a lot of times the person who takes leadership on a certain domain is the person who cares more. Mm-hmm. And women tend to care more about more domains that that tie to 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 the household. So a lot of men tend to, it seems to me, take a take a backseat get in a fight because you're checked out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's real. (laughs) And I I think you have to, you have to, you have to bring it back to like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Like, 
Yeah. Uh, because there are situations where like it does matter and should matter and I should care, but I don't. And then I got to get on board. And then there are some times where it kind of doesn't matter and shouldn't matter. And so I can say, maybe we should stop caring about this. And uh, the, the, the close, the farther back you have to go to get to like, yes, we agree on, on sort of the fundamental teleological question of the, of the sandwiches or the decor, um, the, the, <laughs> the easier it is to resolve that, that dispute. But like, yeah, so you should, you should be with someone who, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm getting prescriptive here. You should be with someone who, uh, wants the same big picture, the, the same like final destination, same consummation, what the relationship's for, what you're actually building. Um, because then the little narrow questions become easier to address. And you still have to hash them out. You still have fights, but figure them out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just, just the very important part is just like splitting up domains of, of competency and, and, and also interest. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I know exactly what my husband deals with and I just, I don't invade that except for, you know, urgent problems when he says, okay, you have to deal with this now because yeah, I can't. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's been really useful. And I think a lot of people don't do this and they all, they both try to do the same thing uh, and they step on each other's toes and it's, it's, it's a big disaster. So I guess that's, well, you kind of that's probably people, where. Like if, if, if your default way of meeting people is uh, in your undergraduate or graduate program or at work, well, you're sort of selecting for a population that's sort of trying to do the same things as you. And, you know, that's, that's probably, uh, and it's not anybody's fault. Like that's, that's where you are. That's how you're going to meet people. But, uh, in terms of if, if I, if you were taking the God's eye view and trying to like engineer a situation where people could meet maximally sort of complementary and valuable partners, that probably isn't the way you do it. And so, you know, uh, one of the guys coming is Indian Bronson. He's, he's running his dating app and he's sort of thinking about the game theory of, uh, how, uh, how does an app benefit when someone actually like seals the deal and stops being a customer? Um, because all these apps, like just like any other app, they're, they're driven by engagement. They make money off engagement. And, you know, if somebody finds love on Tinder, uh, that's a, that's a failure for the app from a, from a revenue perspective. And so uh, it's not surprising that Tinder has become very much oriented around this sort of endless uh, hamster wheel of anonymous sex. <laughs> like it, they, 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 they just want you to be walking around with these bleeding uh, wounds uh, and, and, and sort of, uh, sort of, um, in, it's very plastic way of putting it. Huh? Yes, it's, I mean, bleeding wounds in your heart, I think. You, you yes, meant, psychological uh, spirit. <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. Um, that's what I meant by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Um, well, you went, yeah, uh, you went I, way I, rougher I, than I was prepared to go there. <laughs> it was just a very vivid uh, image and i was like whoa i mean people really take this tinder stuff seriously see i was thinking about a man i had i had a man in my mind and and he his heart i was thinking about a man and his poor broken heart shame on you alex yeah <laughs> <laughs>
Oh man. <laughs> Uh, so, but anyway, yeah. Um, so, so, so Bronson's trying to figure out, um, Bronson's trying to figure out how a, uh, an app can, can be designed around like closure and, and, uh, and he's going to be there. He's going to be talking about his thing and, and hopefully, you know, sort of inputting on some other projects. Um, because yeah, like there's, there, there are sort of structural problems that could possibly have solutions. I think there's a tendency on this issue uh, to sort of make it all about repentance, like like we're we're not getting married because we're 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 fornicators and we're uh, adulterers and we're sinners and we need to just uh, we need to just man up and uh, stop playing video games and 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 start dating. And, and start getting married or if you're a woman you need to stop being a hoe on tinder or whatever and it's like uh i'm not gonna say there's like no role for like sort of moralizing i guess but but i i think like maybe that works on the individual level like maybe there's a person you know who uh if they heard the right uh sermon might have a have an awakening and and, and turn their life around but in the aggregate, I think you're talking about incentives. You're talking about in the in the aggregate, people don't really make choices. They respond to incentives. And and the more that you can build the incentives to encourage healthy and happy behavior, uh, the better. And it's 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 sort of like uh I, I think I think there's sort of a libertarian streak that's 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 that would argue that's like propaganda or it's like, it's like interfering with people's freedom, but it's like you're, what you're doing is you're solving like a prisoner's dilemma game for them. Like you're, everybody knows that this defect defect equilibrium is bad for everybody, but no individual person has the ability to break out of it. And so if you build something, I get, I mean, I guess top down, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, a, a structure, a framework in which those kinds of defections can be uh, guarded against. Well, then everybody can can cooperate and trust each other. Ultimately, I think, and this this goes back to like the relationship between men and women, and and, and going to bed next to a subdued enemy. So much of of what we're up against right now is women should probably have kids in their twenties, like from a from a biological from a, a sociological it would be healthy if if women were having kids in their 20s but that's uh they have th- their sort of maximum uh sort of socio-sexual power at that time they have all these career opportunities that need to be seized at that time or else they go away you know it's really hard to jump into the workforce when you're like 35 um not impossible, but harder. And, and so you're sort of asking women to trade in what is from like the hedonic perspective, like some of the best years of their lives, the, the best opportunities to like go. And I, I don't mean to say this in like a, a condescending way, but like do the eat, pray, love thing, you know, and travel and have experiences and all this stuff that life is supposed to be about. Like that's the time to do that. And you're telling them instead to uh, to take on a lot of really hard work. And 
a lot of the rewards of of having kids. I mean, we've got little kids and I I love my little kids, but they're 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 a lot of work and a lot of the things that I'm excited about uh for them are in the future. And a lot of the things that I'm sort of hoping to to sort of uh I, I guess I guess get personally out of out of having had those kids. I'm I'm sort of looking ahead to those things. And um on top of that, you're telling these women, you need to do this with a man. And uh, are men to be trusted? Like, can, can, can a man uh, provide for you under those conditions and then stay with you after that window is closed and help you sort of deal with the consequences and the aftermath of that decision? Um, what, a, what a challenge. Like, to... to, to to trust somebody on that level and make that kind of sacrifice. And, and, uh, so, so I, I don't see this as like, there's like nothing to be gained for, for being like, it's men's fault or it's women's fault. This is like a really, really challenging coordination problem that we're all in the soup. And, um, and so if one of the, if I could come away with like the, the the biggest possible, the most ambitious possible solution to uh, to this issue, if if we could talk about it at the conference, it would be how do you get men and women trusting each other again? Um, yeah. And I have no clue, <laughs> but I hope somebody smart yeah. has some ideas. That is a, a tough one. I've been thinking about this because it feels like that tenuous equilibrium is breaking down even more with uh with kind of what's what's going on now with like the the, the most unhinged stuff coming from from the manosphere and the most unhinged stuff kind of building in like this rad femme backlash like it's it's really nuts like there are people who spend their days on the internet just watching clips of the opposite sex making you know fools out of themselves or exhibiting the most deranged behavior and then they're just kind of generalizing that you know you know, that there is literally, there are literally areas of the internet where women constantly see, um, you know, baby rapists, men who rape babies to death, you know, and this is kind of a, you know, these are, these are the, the anecdotes that travel in, in those spaces and all sorts of, you know, weird sexual deviants and murderers and things like that. Um, and this is not the true crime space. This is, you know, rad from space, uh, much, <laughs> these things are seen in a, in a bad light. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really deranging. And obviously the other, uh, the other end of this is, I don't know, clips from the whatever podcast or things like that where, you know, Oh man, whatever. With, podcast. Uh, yeah. I mean, right. obviously <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not done much for the, for the relationship between the sexes. I feel, no. um, yeah, I hate it's, just, it's, it's, it's just like, why, why, why do I want like, like, yeah, they're dumb. Why do I want to hear from them? Like, why, why do you, why do you need to like prove this point to yourself? Go, like go find the dumbest people imaginable and ask them dumb questions and have them give you dumb answers and then be like, ha, they're dumb. Like it's, and, and, yeah. and people it's just like me. up. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, going to, you know, discuss whatever Kierkegaard with like the local prostitutes on like the, you know, center street here. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's not gonna pan out, you know, you know, it's not gonna be edifying. Uh, yeah, it's, it is a it is a, a weird thing, but it it drives clicks, and I feel like we're just kind of in a yeah it's 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 a weird mature stage of these spaces, you know they've they've kind of 
I don't know, fe- they're festering, both of them. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, the other, I think some. The other angle on that, like, it, it's, it's not just that, like, women are seeing men behaving badly and, and men are seeing women behaving badly. It's, they're also, like, internalizing and aping a lot of what they're seeing, the sort of stupid behavior on, like, sort of deepening their own neuroses and their own problems. And, and it's, it's sort of like, uh, uh, I have had the experience of, um, uh, when a girl has like really like shitty friends who are, who are like, uh, just sort of whispering in her ear, encouraging her to, to, to distrust and, 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 and interpret everything you do negatively. And, uh, it's it's like that, but it's like it's like a megaphone, and it's just like constantly, and it's like thousands of people doing it all the time to everybody. It's it's uh, man, it like a global electromagnetic pulse, maybe just just wipe it all out, clean the slate. Like I have no idea how you fix that. Yeah, this is one aspect of 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 intrasexual competition that people have not confronted. And it's very glaring on the female side, I think, but I think men have it as well. Like where, you know, you have these lists of, you know, like what what do you need in a in a partner? You know, a woman oh, yeah. doesn't have any, you know, it doesn't have any male friends, doesn't this, you know, has no college education, you know, has, you know, whatever her teeth are are, are intact or <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, you know, the 17 point plan of what you need to be doing to select for the best mate. And, uh, and obviously women as well. I mean, if you look at these Reddit mommy groups and stuff like that, you know, one woman complains about her husband. I don't know. He's, you know, he's has, hasn't taken out the trash in two months and she's really pissed off about it. And like 10 women underneath say instant divorce or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause you know, and they're, and this obviously has different different versions, but it's always like the most extreme thing. And yes, this happens in in real life as well. You know the, yeah. the 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 girlfriend, especially the single one that you have, and kind of your your thing. Kind of, you know, if, if you're if you're complaining about your husband or your boyfriend or something, she will, you know, she will agree with you at least uh, very Respect very yourself, uh, vociferously. Respect yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's a way of signaling, like, it's kind of like a princess and the pea situation. It's a way of signaling your own sexual value to be like, uh, like there's, there's this dating coach. It's like, know your worth. And she's talking about like, uh, you know, all the different, all the things that there's a total deal breaker for her and she would never advocate anybody to, uh, and it, it's, it's just truly deranged. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it, it and and you're right that it's 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 both sides doing it and I, I, yeah I, I think I think you have to change you have to change the incentives and I'm actually finding like a lot of these um, I don't know some people might might think is dorky but like uh, a lot of these sort of post rationalist people uh, getting very interested in arranged marriage and matchmaking um, I I, I I wish him luck. Like, I, I think, I think that's a cool idea. And I think, uh, having people sort of vet your, vet your choices in a, in a disinterested way where they're actually sort of incentivized to, to find happiness for you instead of sort of score points in the group chat or, uh, you know, yeah, basically I just, I think, I think almost everybody 
you should almost never take advice from somebody who doesn't have what you want. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, even, even guys who, even guys who like, Oh, the guy, the guy who's been, who's been divorced and it's really messy divorce. And so he wants to warn you about the dangers of, uh, of, you know, marrying the wrong woman. It's like, what percentage of those guys really understand why that thing happened to them? That's a, that's, and I'm not saying like they're dumb or they're bad guys, but like, that's a level of introspection and like self-knowledge and, and like insight about the way the world works. That's rare. And, and, and being a divorced guy is not rare. (laughs) Like there's lots of those guys and just like, I, I think, I think if, if you want to listen to some guy like that, tell you about like how you should be doing things, it's, he'd better be a really special divorced guy with, with like a really like magic eye on what happened and what went wrong, which is, I mean, it's, it's way harder when you're close to it. So, so yeah. Um, anyway, I, that's, that's part of the problem. It's just, just, uh, who people are listening to. Yeah. And I, I like that you kind of brought up the, the, the post-rationalist. I think, you know, they're, they're often cringe in the sense that they are maybe too introspective. They kind of fetishize this, you know, you know, taking apart your life with tweezers and, you know, looking at every you know possible aspect of it, but they do, you know, they do land in, in quite wholesome places. Sometimes they also land in polycules sometimes, which, you know, unfortunately <laughs> is, is a byproduct of the space. Uh, but, but a lot of them end up in like really like wonderful kind of you know, very measured type of marriages with people that they've really given a lot of thought about marrying and, you know, they, they're having children and all this type of stuff. And yeah, I know, I know quite a few who've been, I mean, quite a few, I know two who've been kind of arranged married, married by, by uh, kind of friends and and even groups of people doing this uh, for, for a living. So yeah, I think it's, um, you know, yeah, more power to them. You know, I've, uh, I've kind of become post cringe now that, you know, the manosphere is like, you know, exploding in, in its own bus. <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we kind of have to look around and see what's, uh, who's actually living a decent life. And sometimes, you know, it is the post-rationalist and I'm happy for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's sort of the mentality of those guys, like the rationalists, it's very much like, uh, the rationalist thing was very much like, what if there's just like a hundred dollars lying on the sidewalk and we're ignoring it because it, we're just sort of acculturated to, to think that like those kinds of opportunities aren't out there. Like what if they're just simple, weird change, like one weird trick that you could change. that would make your life a lot better. And so they're looking for all kinds of one weird tricks. And like, like, yeah, some of those are like, what if I never felt jealous about, you know, sex and, and like that, probably is not working out, uh, in most cases, but, um, but, but some of this, this introspection and sort of like, let's take a fresh look at things. Um, some of it leads in, in, in pretty valuable directions. And I kind of think that like the post-rationalists are, they're sort of the people who they kind of had the same journey with those guys that I did in, in a certain way. Um, I, I think, I think I'd be like, uh, uh, to, to Mormon to be invited to the, the, the sort of post-rationalist club. But I definitely went through that space, said like, wow, these are some really smart people. These are some really neat, neat ideas. And then sort of 
concluded that like, well, these guys are not really thinking about second and third order effects. These guys are not really thinking about big picture and, and, and it's, it's sort of, you can see the failure modes. Um, and, and then you sort of default to like, you, you come back around to like, well, maybe some of these walls are here for a reason. Some of these structures exist because they do useful things that we don't always, and, and even like on the meta level, the ability to, the ability to step back and say, even though I can't tell you why this thing is important, it looms large enough that it's probably important and, 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 and maybe shouldn't be questioned, like sexual jealousy. Like maybe you can't specifically like draw the causality of how that's going to ruin your life, but might ruin your life. <laughs> like anyway, yeah, that's, they're an interesting crowd, I guess, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know a, a post-rationalism or post-rationality is kind of a, I think an attempt to um, to compensate for the failures of of rationalism without actually leaving the the group, <laughs> yeah. without divorcing them. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know I don't know if it's working. Um, but yeah, I um, I think I'm going to move on to the question of the show, and I, I want to see if you have a, a updated answer to to this. Uh, do you have a subversive thinker that you think is underrated or or people might want to check out? Maybe someone related to to your new quest in, in natalism? Ah, uh, subversive thinker. Um, man, I should have I should have come prepared. I've been on the show twice. Um, <laughs> no worries. I would say it doesn't have to be too. It, honestly, uh, this uh, this Ernst Jünger, this Forest Passage book, I, I read it. Um, I read it once, didn't get it, and then uh, kind of figured out what he was laying down in the last like tenth of the book, and then I went back and read it again. It's not it's not long. It's a skinny book. It's hundred pages. You can read it in a couple of days, and uh, and uh, he basically goes up against cybernetics and egregores and and uh technique all these things that sort of uh it seems like our side of the internet has been like sort of discovering over the last five or ten years um and he basically just had them all nailed in like 1950 so uh he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have like all the answers or all the solutions but just the fact that he was able to see these problems so early is is really like it's 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 uncanny to read um so yeah the forest passage by ernst Jünger is a great book oh excellent yeah i mean i've been reading the um, the technological society by by jack alul and he's kind of the you know someone who's been obsessed with technique the whole book is about about technique and and it's insidious powers in, in, in society and the fact that you know people are kind of blinded by the idea of technology and the machine but it's actually, you know, it's it's kind of the 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 iterative move to improve the way you do anything, and the machine mm-hmm. is just kind of its its most shiny outgrowth. But um, but the, the more insidious things that that kind of spread us apart and and distance ourselves from from our humanity are, are little things, just procedures, and and uh, you know. Um, the the managerialism and everything that we kind of complain about is essentially kind of the the victory of procedure uh, over, yeah, over you know just the the, the way things were were functioning organically. Um, Human judgment, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I think there's going to be much more about this. Um, you know, people are starting to think about this much more deeply because it's it's just it's just so ubiquitous now. It's it's it really is inescapable, and uh, and yeah, it's kind of oppressive at this point. So yeah, I I can imagine there's going to be a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, Younger's yeah. um, Younger's take is basically that the drive for efficiency is rooted in the fear of death. Um, that, uh, that, that we're all, we're all chasing down this, this hyper efficiency because, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of clinging for every hour, for every moment, sort of, uh, 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 hyper optimizing, um, to, to sort of get, get every scrap because you're, because you're afraid to die. And, uh, a society that has no, um, that has no telos, no, no like sense of what, what life is for beyond death or does, de- or does life continue after death will inevitably uh, pursue this kind of hyper-efficiency. And so his, his solution, like, so the forest passage is like, is a, is a passage through death. It's, it's, it's a confrontation with mortality. And um, he, he tells, he tells the story of Dionysus uh, and the, and the pirates and the, the pirates capture Dionysus and he, he sort of turns the boat into like a like vi- grape vines climb all over the boat and like a tiger comes out of the, he make, makes a jungle in the boat. A tiger comes out and eats the captain and the sailors all turn into dolphins. And um, he, he sort of likens that to the sort of divine frenzy, the sort of insanity that, that he views as the solution to, to this problem. Like, you, you kind of have to, he also tells the story of William Tell, who's a, a guy who sort of famously um, stopped caring what happened to him, stopped caring whether he lived or died uh, because the, the, the sort of magistrate corrupt official made him shoot a, an apple off of his son's head with a crossbow. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, think, I think there's something to that, that in order to escape uh, the, the sort of machine world, the machine, uh, thinking like a machine, you have to, you have to abandon this sort of hedonic efficiency and you have to kind of stop caring about what's good for you. And, uh, going back to the natalism question, it's like, yeah, uh, uh, love is a, is a leap. And it's, I mean, that sounds so cliche, but it's like it, it, it really is this, uh, this, this divine madness. And, and you, you, when you, when you are asking people to have children at the kind of scale that maintains a society, you're asking for like divine madness at scale, uh, which is a crazy, I mean, it's, it's a wild undertaking. So, so anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's who it is. That's my subversive thinker. No, that's, that's, that's really beautiful. And I think that's, uh, that, you know, hits, hits something really profound and yeah, I mean, this is and in a way kind of, kind of a, a Baptist type, uh, type, uh, point as well. I mean, uh, you could, you could also see kind of this, you know, internet vitalism as, as being a little bit efficiency oriented, uh, especially with regards to body fat percentages and things like that. But, um, I think there's there's a spark of that in, in, in BAP as well. And I think that's that's why he is so popular and elicits so much um loyalty from people. And yeah, I think that's uh that's a good thing. You know, like not everybody I, else. You know, 
like everybody else, I am trying to figure out what to do with BAP. Um, cause it, <laughs> it's so it's, he's got, he's got so many things just nailed down tight. He's got so much figured out that was just like, like, like lightning to me. It, it, it was crazy to read that book. And, uh, um, there, there are two books I've ever read in my life that felt, it felt like an altered state of consciousness. And, and one was, <laughs> um, one was Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy and one was, um, Bronze Age Mindset. And, uh, I, I'm sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I, I like believe in all these things that are sort of contrary to, uh, contrary to in, 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 at least in surface ways from like what he's advocating. But at the same time, I'm like, man, there's so much to the, there's so much to what he's saying. And, and I, I am, that's been my project for like the last four years is just sort of like trying to, trying to synthesize it, trying to decode it. I know zero HP Lovecraft came up with like a, a, a Baptist Christian synthesis. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's a that strange problem. man to have come up with it though. <laughs> He's definitely more of a Baptist than a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah. The, the, that's the thing is that the people, the Christians I know who, um, the sort of, well, sort of the, the, the public facing, like publicly Christian, uh, like as part of their brand, people I know who are confronting BAP, it's, it's very much adversarial and it's very, you know, we're, we're very, very upset and I disavow and I, you know, that it seems to, it's, there's too much truth in it for me to do that or to, or to even really respect that. Like, I don't think that's the right approach, uh, to something as, 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 as insightful as that. So anyway, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah no, I think, I think everyone who's honest about, you know, and, and thinking deeply about this stuff cannot just dismiss BAP out of hand. Uh, I think that'd be, that'd be a mistake. Uh, I think, you know, the, the incentives that these platforms set are really tricky as well. Because what is asked of BAP is not only to be the producer of Bronze Age Mindset, he is kind of this daily prophet who has to produce and, and take sides on everything and, you know, have this, you know, long, like long-term coherence in his view and things like that. I just think it's, it's really tough uh, to maintain that, you know, um, persona. I mean, he is literally a persona, you know, you know, there's, there's obviously a guy behind that, but you know, there's, he's produced this, this careless larger than life character. And I think it's yeah. just, yeah, I mean the the strictures of that and the requirements of that, uh, you know, are inevitably going to lead to incoherence at one point. It's just yeah, you can't just be doing that. I mean, you know, he's 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 good, but he's not that good. No one's that good. So I think that's a, that's a big problem for anyone doing anything like this. And I don't think anyone is doing anything exactly like Bab. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, what a feat, at least. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Cool. I think you got to maintain a, a healthy imperious disdain for your audience, and he's. He's, he's <laughs> needed at that. And I, I try to do it too. Cause you know, people want to argue with you. And I, I just, uh, I, I think if you, if you, if you sort of let, let yourself become part of that process, it's, 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 it'll make you literally crazy and not in the, and not in the cool Dionysian crazy way. 
Well, uh, on 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 that note, and uh, with the you know the requisite hat tip to to BAP and everything he's done with the space, um, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. First guest, third time, uh, and I also want to point people to um, the Natalism Conference and all of your other work. Is there any place that people should go to? Yeah, natalism.org. And then and then for the group, it's exitgroup.us. So yeah, check us out. Okay, perfect. I'll put the, the links in the show notes. And yeah, thank you again. Thanks, Alex.